As you find yourself going deeper and deeper down the internet, telling yourself you'll watch just one more video before you go to bed, knowing that you should have gone to bed an hour ago, that's where you'll find the Dragoon Effect. Before we begin this week's episode, where I talk about my favorite games of all time, I just need to say, WE DID IT! I assume thanks in part to this podcast doing Alan Wake for Season 1, Alan Wake 2 has been announced for a 2023 release date. Thank you for everyone who listened to help make this possible. I'm looking forward to it. It will definitely be a future season of this show, and I couldn't be more excited about this announcement. So thank you everyone. Let's get on with the episode. I wanted to do an episode where I talk about my favorite games of all time. This isn't necessarily a list of all of the greatest games of all time, just my personal favorites. I've got 33 games on this list, and it's a list of games that if you sat me down in front of them and told me to play, I would just be able to purely enjoy no matter what. The top... 10 and really probably like 5 through 10 tend to flux when it comes to their exact positioning but in general these are my 33 favorite games of all time and seeing as how I've been gaming for about 33 years that seems like a good number to have for a list so number 33 Devil May Cry 1 I originally played this game back at launch in 2001, and it was a blast. It was unlike anything I'd ever played before. So stylish. Later would learn that it was going to be Resident Evil 4, but they didn't like the direction, so they spun it off into its own franchise. It was just full of cool. And the story was interesting, the combat was interesting... You start with a sword, and then you get a lightning sword, and then you get uh, melee fire weapons, and you learn that you are half devil, half human, and get cool devil trigger powers. Number 32, Captain America Super Soldier. Now I know, this is a movie tie-in game, but I am a huge Captain America fan. Mostly Steve Rogers, probably, more than anything, but I do like Sam Wilson's run as Cap so far, of what I've seen of it. This game really lets you be or feel like you were Captain America during World War II, and it was a lot of fun to throw the shield, explore the Red Skull's castle, find collectibles, fight boss battles... It was just a lot of fun, especially for a movie tie-in game that was made by Sega. Number 31, SOCOM 2, U.S. Navy SEALs. Now this is a game that the best parts of it, you can't really play anymore, I don't think, and that's the online multiplayer. I played a lot. Of this online multiplayer. I still think it's one of the best online multiplayer games that has ever been made. I've met a handful of friends off that game that I'm still friends with today. It's just been 
a lot of fun to play it. There's a lot of fun to think about it. There's a single-player campaign that's actually quite difficult, but it was really cool at the time. You were the leader of a squad, and you could, just with your headset and voice commands, tell your squad mates where to go, what to do, where to set up, if they should fire at will, if they should shoot suppressing fire, things like that. It's still really cool, and the single-player... Is not as good as the multiplayer, but still fun to go back to. Number 30, Cyborg Justice. Now this is a game that I have not seen anything like it since. You start as a robot, and you get to pick out your primary weapon arm, your secondary weapon arm, legs, and your torso. And along the way... You can rip off body parts from other robots and replace your own, except for your torso, I believe. So if somebody has a cool arm that you wish you had, you can rip it off them and reattach it to yourself. And now you have a saw blade for an arm, which the saw blade also lets you cut off limbs so that you can use them yourself as well. It's just really cool. Number 29, Fallout 3. This is my first experience with the Fallout universe. I was absolutely amazed. Especially the giant nuke of exploding the what I think was Tenpenny Tower. Um, the super mutants. This idea of coming out of a vault and not knowing how irradiated the outside world was after a nuclear war, nuclear holocaust. Exploring Washington, D.C., which at the time I had never been to. I've been there a couple times now, and it really lined up geography-wise really well. And it was just really cool to see kind of some of these places in real life once I actually got to go there. You could be a good person, a bad person. You could have laser weapons. You could forage. There was a lot of cool DLC for this game. Number 28, XCOM, Enemy Unknown. Before this game, I never liked a turn-based strategy game. I didn't have fun with any of them that I tried. I hated the mechanics. But the advertising for this one, when it was coming out, just really hit me just right. And I was like, okay, I'll wait for reviews. Reviews came out and they were good, so I picked it up and I loved it. I had to play on the easiest difficulty because I am bad at it. But I was good enough to get through the story a couple of times. Basically, there's an alien invasion and you have troops that you need to strategize and move throughout the battlefield. And if they get hurt, they have to recover between battles, so they might miss some battles. So you could have one of your best soldiers miss a really tough battle because they got hurt in the previous battle. There's also a base building element to it, and it's definitely opened my eyes to turn-based strategy games, and that they can be fun, but it's going to take just the right mix of things for me to enjoy it. Number 27, Dr. Mario. What is there to say about this game? 
it's a classic. I played it a ton as a child. Um, that music is infectious and gets stuck in my head for days anytime I play it. Um, it's one of the best puzzle-esque type games. I guess you would call it a puzzle game. Tetris-like, maybe, is a better genre. But lots of fun. Number 26. Greatest Heavyweights for the Sega Genesis. Now, on a lot of Sega advertising, the boxing game you'll see is Evander Holyfield's something. I can't remember what it's called. Either way, it's not as good as this game. You get to make a character with different, whatever skin color you want, basically. I remember for sure there was green, blue, and purple because I would always make a guy with one of those three colors and fight my way through the ranks of all these generated characters. No real boxers as far as I was aware of. Until you reach the title belt. And once you reach the title belt and claim it, then you get to fight some of the greatest heavyweights of all time, like Muhammad Ali, Jack Dempsey, Joe Frazier, Larry Holmes, Evander Holyfield, Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano, Floyd Patterson. I think they all have actual voice clips from the boxers. If not, they found impersonators and lines that fit their personalities. Muhammad Ali will taunt you all the time. It's really cool. I would always make a guy who had long reach because if you punched a guy enough in the head, he'd fall back and spit and then come back into the fight. And if you had that reach, you had a real advantage. Number 25, Horizon Zero Dawn. This is a game where the story really struck with me. And there are robot dinosaurs that you have to basically take apart piece by piece to take down. Or there are some robots that you can essentially reprogram to fight for you. Um, I don't want to spoil the story and where it goes because I think it's got a really fun arc. But I am definitely looking forward to the sequel. Number 24, Castlevania. The original on NES. It's not a very long game. I've watched speedrunners beat it in like 13 minutes or something like that. I can't do it anywhere nearly that fast. But it is still so much fun to just pick up and play. The graphics, the music. It doesn't have that Metroidvania element to it really. It's straightforward. But man, it's fun. It can still be really annoying. Number 23, Final Fantasy X. This is one of the best Final Fantasies, and I always get obsessed with Blitzball. It might be the best mini game in a Final Fantasy for sure, but in any game. Under who knew underwater. Polo? I guess I don't know what to compare it to. It could be so much fun. Um, passing the ball, shooting, doing shots where you knock out your opponents, or tackles where you put them to sleep. 
And then the story itself, where you play Titus, who's a blitzball player who gets sucked into another world and goes on an adventure trying to find his way home as well as helping the people around him. I would highly recommend this still today. Number 22, DMC Devil May Cry. This is the best Devil May Cry to date. It is a spin-off, I guess. I don't know what you necessarily call it. It's made by a different company than made the others uh, that Capcom licensed it out to. But it's more stylish. It's cooler. It tells a fresher story. It's a lot of just style and cool and action and interesting weapons that you get to use and interesting boss fights that has a whole kind of media subversion to it. Number 21, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. This is the first time that I really felt like the powers of all the different heroes matched who they were, matched their power sets, let you do fun and interesting combinations with them. I always played as Captain America, but I would vary up who the other three characters were. Sometimes I'd have Spider-Man, a lot of times I'd have Spider-Woman. There are 30, 40 characters in this whole game, including the entire Fantastic Four, Thor, Wolverine, etc., this game still is a lot of fun. I don't know if it holds up quite as well, but I will gladly play it just about any time. Number 20, Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. I'm going to cheat a little bit on this one and combine the two games because in my head, they run together a whole bunch. Left 4 Dead 1 and 2 released a year apart and had very similar structures and campaigns. And while I think I remember what maps and what characters were from each game, I'm not 100% sure. Either way, I played both of these with friends a lot when they came out. Over and over and over and over. And every single time, it would have a good creep factor, scare factor, the witch... Anytime you would hear her crying, it was just like everybody stopped talking, even though I don't think she could hear the mics when we were talking to each other. It just made us all kind of hold our breath. And then when a tank would bust out, we would just be unloading on it and hoping we could take it down. Number 19, The Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim. I finally finished the story for this game for the first time ever earlier this year. I've started this game eight to ten times, and every time I just get distracted by side quests. So I finally said, okay, I'm going to go through the main story and then get distracted by side quests. I can't tell you a lot about the story now that I think about it. There are dragons which are cool and I think there's an elder dragon that you have to defeat who's threatening to destroy the world but this game is about just living in the world, having fun making chaos if you want and exploring Number 18 Streets of Rage 2 
I love this game. It's a beat em up. It's straightforward. It's repetitive. But I love this game. I think Max is my favorite character uh, because you can grab somebody and then you just start snapping their neck over and over. Skate is a lot of fun because he's fast and he's quick and he can get on the back of somebody and just start punching their head in. Blaze. I like Blaze in every Streets of Rage game. She's fun. But I don't care for Axel in any of the games. I don't know if it's his character, his fighting style. I'm not really sure. This is a game I will always play, always play with friends, always have a blast with. Number 17, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. The best Sonic game. I can play it over and over and over. Gotta get the Chaos Emeralds. Gotta become supersonic. Gotta go super fast. Gotta go so fast you run off the stage and die because... Chaos. Fun. Number 16. Rogue Legacy. Another genre that I didn't know I enjoyed until I played this game. Roguelikes. This is a game where you start as a knight. You enter a castle. And then you eventually die. And when you die, you become one of your descendants. And you get a pick out from three random ones, I think. And they each have different traits. Some of those traits are good. Some of those traits are bad. But then you use them to enter the castle to try to defeat the main boss, who I can't remember anymore. But you get to keep your gold at the end of a run. You use that to build up your own castle that gives you perks like more damage, better shops, uh, just a whole slew of things. It's been a while since I've played this one, but it has a fun art style And I'm really looking forward to Rogue Legacy 2. Number 15. God of War 2018. This God of War game brought me back into the franchise. I enjoyed the first one. I enjoyed the second one. I hated the third one. And I don't know if I was just done with that style of game or that attitude But I really hated the third one. I was not going to play God of War 2018 until I saw the Leviathan Axe. And oh boy, does that axe feel good. It may be the best feeling weapon in any game I have ever played. It's fun to just throw it, go punch enemies in the face, and then just summon it back to you like your Thor summoning Mjolnir. I wish this game was a little bit shorter because I have this tendency that if I start a game, I just got to finish it and it's hard to start a game of this length and play it all the way through. But it's fun to pop in from now and then just to feel the combat again. I cannot wait for Ragnarok to come out. Number 14, Super Mario Bros. 2. The best... NES Super Mario Brothers game. This game is original. There's not been a Mario like it since. And it's better than Mario 1. It's better than Mario 3. You get to play as Mario, Luigi, Toad, or Princess Peach. They all play differently. It set up these characters 
in a way the other two games on the NES didn't. It's set up things that are still used today. It has some of the best enemies in the franchise between Shy Guy and Sniffit and whatever the little ninja star shaped guys are called and Birdo. This game still lots of fun. Still the best NES Mario. Number 13, Super Mario World. This is the best Mario game. I never owned a Super Nintendo, and yet somehow I've played through this game at least 30 times. I played it at Friends. I got it on Game Boy Advance when it came out. I've purchased it on Wii. I've played it through on Nintendo Switch Online. There's just something about the cape and Yoshi eating everything and getting to take him between levels and the different Yoshis and their abilities that has never been replicated. Even in future games where you can get Yoshi, like one of the new Super Mario Brothers and I think Super Mario Galaxy 2, you only get him for the level you get him in. You don't get to take him to the next level. Other than castles, I think that's it. You can, and oh, sorry, castles and ghost houses. You can take the Yoshi from the first level all the way to the end of the game and play him in every single level. Or her. I guess I don't know if Yoshi's a boy, a girl, or it depends on the specific Yoshi you get. I don't know quite enough about the lore. Number 12. Resident Evil Village, the newest game on this list, and a game that lives in my head. This was everything I wanted it to be. This had me enthralled from start to finish, and I never knew where things were going to go. I loved everything about this game. I loved all the bosses, I loved all the areas, I loved the weapons... I love the normal fodder enemies. I really enjoyed the mercenaries mode. Uh, even though it got really stressful on the, the version 2 maps. I love this game so much that after I got the platinum for the PlayStation 5 version, I downloaded the PlayStation 4 version and started over from scratch and got the platinum a second time. Number 11, the entire Pokemon franchise, at least the main games. I don't have a great way to pick and distill the various Pokemon games. I started with Red, and I've played every single one since, including when they've released the remakes of the mainline games. There's something from each of them, except Gen 3, I do not like the Hone region. I just hate everything. Not everything. I hate a lot about that one. But outside of that one, the first game got me into it and had the best three starters, for sure, that they keep trying to replicate. And I kind of wish they'd move on from, instead of always doing fire, grass, water. Pick three different types. Give us, like, dark, psychic fighting. 
Actually, that would work, because dark beats psychic, psychic beats fighting, fighting beats dark. Yeah, give us dark psychic fighting in a game. Generation 2 went from Kanto to Johto region, but once you became the champion of the Elite Four the first time, then you went back to the Kanto region, and you got to do all eight of those badges again, and all eight gym leaders were stronger than before. There were a couple changes, which was cool, because it was like time had actually passed. Then you go fight the Elite Four again, who are stronger than the first time. And then you can fight Red, the protagonist from Pokemon Red and Blue, who has the toughest team in the game. It set expectations for Generation 3 that could never be fulfilled. I thought for sure, in Gen 3, Kanto and Johto would be unlocked once you finish the region. I was disappointed. But it wasn't the only reason. I was disappointed in that game about halfway through and just felt like it was slow. But I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep plowing through. Eventually, I'll finish the Elite Four. And then I'll get to go to Johto or Kanto. And it'll be great. And that didn't happen. So Gen 3, I don't like it. I tried it again when they put out Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby. Or maybe it was the other way around. And finished it, but still didn't really like it. They did introduce physical versus special attacks in that one, which made a lot more sense than physical and special being defined by the type of attack. But still. Gen 4 was fun and on the DS and had uh, Wi-Fi capabilities. I felt like Gen 5 really brought everything back. I think they made that's the game they made TM's Infinite in. And it was a whole new region. None of the Pokemon from the first four games were in there until you finished the Elite Four the first time. Gen 6 was on 3DS and was an entirely new cool region with X and Y. And I think you get the EXP share early and it was just something that was automatic. And it didn't reduce the experience points from a battle. It was a better version of an EXP share. Gen 7, Sun and Moon was okay. I wasn't big on that one. It was one I just kind of trudged through and finished. And then I liked Sword and Shield quite a bit. I, earlier this year for the second time, finished a Pokedex. I had finished the Pokedex on Pokemon Yellow, and I decided I'm going to build an entire living Pokedex on Pokedex Home. And I had a whole bunch of the games sitting around, and so I managed to do that. It required some trades with some people online, but I got there. Number 10, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. This was a game that I actually missed the first time around. I didn't even know it existed on PlayStation 1. I didn't play it for the first time until it came out on Xbox Live Arcade on the Xbox 360. And I loved it. I thought it was amazing, fantastic. It was 2D in a world of 3D shooters, and I couldn't have enjoyed it more. I've played it multiple times since and enjoyed it. I went back and have played some other Castlevanias as well because of it. And... 
it still holds up real well. Number nine, Mass Effect. Half the namesake for this podcast. I played this game at launch. I was hyped for it. I was looking forward to it. And it was better than I thought it was going to be. I loved everything about this game. I love the Mako. I don't know why people hate the Mako. I think it's great. I did just recently learn, though, that it has horizontal thrusters. I've played through this game probably a dozen times, and I never knew the Mako had horizontal thrusters. I thought it only had vertical thrusters. So I might have to play through it yet again just to play around with them. I think my favorite characters are Tali and Liara. Maybe it's because they're aliens. Maybe it's because they're cool. Not really sure. But I usually pick them as my allies. And I always play as female Shepard because I don't like the voice of male Shepard for one. But for two... I have played enough games as a white male protagonist. I will always try to play it from a different point of view if I can. Number eight, Comics Zone. This game is one of a kind. For those that don't know, you get sucked into this comic book of your own creation by the villain of the comic book. You literally hop around through comic book panels, beating up villains, picking up items, trying to save the day, save the world, and escape. It's not very long. If I remember right, there are only six pages of comic book to play through, but it's a lot of fun. It's cool. You have an awesome rat pet that can find things for you. I watched a speed run of this the other day, and... It is insane how fast they go and just know what items to pick up, exactly when to throw them, things like that, and just fly through this game. Number seven, Mega Man 5. This was one of the two Mega Man games that I owned on Nintendo. I played the other four because I'd rented them. The other was Mega Man 2, but I love this Mega Man game. I love the Mega Buster. I love the robots in this game. So much so that when the movie King of Kong came out, I started speedrunning this game. I haven't done that in a while. I am probably too old now to be competitive. I do know that there is a glitch that lets you skip over a bunch at the end. And when I was doing it, I was running glitchless. But this is always going to be my favorite Mega Man game. Number six, Metal Gear Solid. This was my first experience to the PlayStation 1. A friend owned a PS1 and this game when it was brand new. And it was unlike anything I'd ever seen or played before. It made me go buy a PS1 after saving up my money. Because I had to own this game and see what else was capable on this machine. I don't think this series has eclipsed this game. And I would love if they would bring it to present consoles and just 
even if it was just a graphical update that made it look prettier, run smoother, I don't think they even need to do that much more. Fantastic game, still holds up, still fun, still recommend. Go play it, go watch somebody on YouTube play it. Amazing. Number five, Tecmo Super Bowl. Not to be confused with Super Tecmo Bowl for the Super Nintendo. This is Tecmo Super Bowl for the original Nintendo, the follow-up to Tecmo Bowl. This game had all of the NFL franchises at the time. It expanded the playbook from two run options, two pass options, to four run options and four pass options. There are injuries, you could have substitutes, you played a whole season, and all the players, except for three, who were not part of the NFLPA at the time, in Bernie Kozar, who is credited in the game as QB Browns, Randall Cunningham, who is QB Eagles, and Jim Kelly, who is QB Bills. Every other player, or at least starting players and their backups at skill positions are in this game. It's still played competitively every year. And there are even leagues that update the rosters to match the current NFL season and have added in new teams through mods. This is one of the greatest football games of all time. And I will play it wherever, whenever I love it. Number four, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Just Punch-Out, also pretty good, but Mr. Dream, not as good as Mike Tyson. This is a game that my babysitter had and nobody else there could get past, I think it was Great Tiger at the time. And once I did and eventually made my found my way all the way to Tyson and then one day beat him, Everybody at my babysitters just was amazed. And it is still one of the coolest games. I try to play through it at least once a year. Take out Tyson, or I guess Mr. Dream, because I, I don't have a functioning NES anymore. So I play it on the Switch Online. But a cast of unique characters. Didn't really like the Super Nintendo. I think it's Super Punch-Out. I... Did enjoy Punch-Out on the Wii, but it missed some of the things and some of the details that made this game so great. Like if your opponent throws a right, which on the screen when you're facing them would be a left, if you counter with all lefts, you do more damage than if you were to alternate or if you were to counter with all rights. Each boxer has a unique personality. You get to do some rematch fights that are fun. Number three. Resident Evil 2 Remake. This game helped jettison me into trying horror games. I wasn't sure about it when it was first announced. And then I saw people playing the demo. And so I tried the demo and I was instantly hooked. Went out and pre-ordered it and took the day off work the day it came out and just binge through Claire's campaign and loved every second of it. It was haunting. It had moments of tension that jumped me. 
I played through this game until I got the Platinum, and then I played it some more. This is easily one of the best games of all time, and is definitely the best remake of all time. Number two, The Legend of Dragoon, the other half of this podcast's namesake. Now, you may be asking, you've said both halves of your podcast and you're only in number two. Yeah, that's because I think number one's even better than this game. But let's talk about The Legend of Dragoon. In my mind, it's like Power Rangers meets fantasy. You you play as Dart is the main character, and your village is burned and destroyed, and your friend from childhood is kidnapped, so you go rescue her, and it kicks off this epic JRPG adventure where eventually you gain a dragoon spirit that lets you transform in battle for a limited number of turns into a dragon warrior. Maybe it's Dragoon Warrior. Oh, it's been too long since I've played this game. And you are stronger, faster, have more hit points, more defense, and you can summon cool magic abilities. Even in when you're not in Dragoon form, this game has things called additions, which means you do an attack, and then you can combo onto that attack if you successfully time out your follow-up attacks. There's like a little box that once it syncs with another box, you have to push the right button. This is a game where the story is interesting and boy, I want them to bring it to current gen consoles. Even if all they do is up-res the, the graphics a little bit, add a three X speed button, which is a godsend for JRPG games, especially classic ones. And just put it out with trophy support. I'd be totally fine with that. I'd love a remake. I'd love a new game. A follow up of some kind. But this game still rocks. And finally. My favorite game of all time. Final Fantasy VIII. This is the most unique Final Fantasy game in my opinion. The junction system lets you set up your characters how you want. You can break the game early if you want. You can equip the ability to be immune to status effects or elements. You can do all sorts of things with it. Plus, you can summon the guardian forces as many times as you want. There's no limit by due to magic points. And their animations are really cool. You can give all, all of the attacking ones an ability called boost, where you hold select and tap square to power them up to do even more damage. This is a game full of teenage angst, for sure, and is a love story. But it's also a time travel story, and a sci-fi story, and it's just a whole bunch of things. And how they made it within a year, roughly, I don't know. People will pick it apart and say they should have spent more time on it. That's fine. I love this game. I will play this game whenever, forever, over and over and over and over again. I have completed it with every single combination of characters that you can. 
This is my favorite game of all time, without a doubt. Clearly, there are some games that people consider some of the greatest that are not on my list. I have played all of the Mario... I have played five of the Mario Karts extensively. The Super Nintendo, the GameCube, the Nintendo 64, the Wii, and then Super Mario Kart 8. Or I guess it's just Mario Kart 8. I didn't really play the, the handheld ones. Mario Kart's fun, but it drives me crazy at times. I've played all of the Smash Brothers games extensively. But again, same things. They can be fun, but they can also drive me crazy. They're not games that they're not games that I can pick up at any time and just play as much as I want and enjoy. I wish I knew how many different games I've played. It has to be over a thousand, if not two thousand at this point. And these are my favorite 33. And to even make this list. It's not that it's limited to 33, it's just the 33 games that I know I can pick up at any time, have a good time, and basically never get sick of. Thank you for listening. I hope that you have games like that that you absolutely love and can go back to time and time again. Sometimes I wish I could only play one game all the time, but I do need variety. And I probably buy too many games, play too many games, but it lets me experience a bunch of different things. And it's generally pretty fun. So for the sake of all our mental health, find the things that you enjoy, that bring you happiness, that don't hurt others, and enjoy them. Because these are my favorites, and people will can pick apart this list. But that's okay. They make me happy. Find what makes you happy and enjoy it. Don't let others tell you not to enjoy it or make you not enjoy it.